The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Venezuela's emerging dictatorship will worsen the country's economic woes with some U.S. casualties thrown in. And how has Sprint managed to become such a hot merger target despite poor earnings, lots of debt and a sky-high price tag? These are the issues we'll be tackling in this week's Views Room, a weekly conversation among Breaking Views columnists about the ups and downs of the world of finance. I'm Anthony Curry and my co-host is Jennifer Saber. Hi, Jen. Hello. So Venezuela is plunging further into chaos. On Sunday, the country held elections for a controversial new assembly that would cement President Nicolas Maduro's hold on power. The results have already been questioned and Maduro has arrested two prominent opposition leaders. This will weaken its already brittle oil-dependent economy. Joining us to discuss the latest developments, we have Martin Langfield here with us in the studio. Hi, Martin. Hello. And from our office in D.C., Anastasia Chacon. Hi, Anastasia. Welcome back to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me again. So, Martin, let's. I suppose that. I mean, let's let's start with a big question. How do we get to the point where we have an election being questioned and an assembly an assembly being voted on that would effectively make uh, Maduro a dictatorship? I mean, we didn't even see this kind of thing under Chavez, did we? Um, well, this is kind of a, a parody of something that uh, Hugo Chavez did. He also called a constituent assembly in in, in his time, but this is kind of a a far less convincing uh, version of even that. The main thing going on here is that Nicolás Maduro, who succeeded Chávez in 2013, would like to stay in power. And uh, in the normal course of events, you'd have a presidential election next year, which every poll indicates he would uh, lose in a quite crushing manner. And uh, since he's a believer in his own mind in the Bolivarian Revolution, uh, which he sees himself as carrying on after the death of Hugo Chavez to his point of view there's uh, no way that he can allow himself to be removed from power or the the ruling socialist party therefore in the face of uh, rising protests about the uh, dreadful state of the economy the dreadful state uh, in which people have to live uh, unable to basically afford enough calories to feed themselves every day Faced with all of that, uh, he's decided to pull this stunt, which you can pretty much call it an electoral stunt, which is to create this constituent assembly which will have uh, powers over pretty much everything else, all other institutions in the country. And uh, he sees that as a way of keeping the Bolivarian revolution in power and uh, himself. Uh, hey, so, Martin, where does the military stand? The uh, the leadership of the military certainly backs him. Though you have various factions within it whose main interest is is rather themselves than him. So, at any point, perhaps uh, that could shift. Uh, the lower down you get, the more unhappy people get in terms of their perceived role. They're out in the streets trying to maintain order, uh, or depending on your point of view, repressing the people. They have insults, and even uh, in a protest a few months ago human feces being thrown at them. It's not a happy time for them. And of course, a lot of the lower uh, ranking military uh, are in the same uh, nutritional challenge as everybody else. Mm-hmm. They don't earn that much. Uh, it's very hard to get enough food to, to feed your family. And um, so the rank and file uh, are certainly not enjoying the situation as uh, Reuters again uh, on the news side uh, was quoting a, a sergeant major in a piece uh, today or yesterday saying that it's hard to win because on the one hand, if we uh, 
uphold law and order, we're the enemies of the people, if we don't we're traitors and so um, that's a bind but for now the leadership is, is on board primarily because the various leaders of the military are currently receiving all kinds of privileges in terms of access to dollars and so forth and if you had any kind of change of regime that would not be the case. So Anastasia let's, let's pass it over to you. Martin mentioned sanctions. Uh, late last week, the Trump administration imposed sanctions on a number of individ- Venezuelan individuals, but so far hasn't done anything else. So w- what effect will those sanctions have, do you think, and what scope is there for more sanctions on top of that? Well, actually, in response to Sunday's vote, the Trump administration imposed individual sanctions on uh, Nicolás Maduro himself. Uh, the sanctions freeze his U.S. assets and ban Americans from doing business with him. N- now, I'm a little skeptical about the real effect that such a sanction will have. Uh, I don't think it pressures Maduro nearly enough and could even work in favor in his favor in terms of fresh nationalist anti-American rhetoric to use with his supporters. But further U.S. sanctions will probably come. I mean, uh, violence in Venezuela has escalated since the vote. Major opposition leaders have been kidnapped by the government. Uh, and it's possible that if the repression continues and if the Constituent Assembly facade continues, more U.S. sanctions will come. And these will probably target Venezuela's oil sector by restricting trade with the U.S. That's a potentially very big threat, right? Because I think, is it, what's the figure, 95% right. of Venezuela's exports are in the oil sector. Who gets hurt by this? Obviously, I mean, I suppose first and foremost, the Venezuelan people. But I suppose it goes beyond that, so even to American companies, correct? Correct. Uh, a cut in oil revenues will tighten the government's budget for basic necessities even more, and w- it will increase the risk of Venezuela defaulting on its foreign debt by the end of the year. And this, in turn, would increase the social instability within the country, and then the question, like Martin uh, mentioned, would turn to the military's loyalty. Now, the military is extremely concerned about its own dollar inflows, so as the social and economic situations worsen, we'll have to see whether the military will stick with Maduro or uh, break away and force him to negotiate a transfer of power, but that's really the line, uh, a thin line. Now, having said that, On the other side of that same coin uh, are the effects on the U.S. oil industry. Venezuela is the third largest supplier of crude oil to the U.S., and sanctions that limit trade would definitely have an impact impact on refineries like Phillips 66 and like Chevron, who together bought around 30% of America's total imports of Venezuelan crude last year. Now, it's also important to note that Even if new measures only ban exports to Venezuela, U.S. companies still have a lot to lose. Venezuela buys light crude from the United States to mix with its heavy crude in order to make it commercially viable. And if that is banned, American refineries that sell that light crude would have to find alternative customers, and that process, as we know, can be quite costly. That puts the country in in real trouble. And obviously we saw a month or two ago, um, going back to the idea of default, the country managed to get out, get, get enough money to pay. It's made some payments in April. Uh, it has yeah. about $4 billion or so due uh, in the, the fourth quarter. has about uh, $10 billion, uh, in reserves. Right. So there's a ch- I mean, if, if uh, unless their dollar income is severely restricted in the rest of the year, there's a chance they may just get through this year. Then next year they've got another $8 billion or so that they owe. It's getting tighter and tighter. One thing, just to be clear, we're no fans of military coups here at Breaking Views. And uh, when we, when <laughs> well we, said, well said. When we, uh, and Latin America, of course, has a, a, a pretty ugly um, history of those, so there's no advocating of that here. What rather I think the idea might be is that certainly the opposition is calling for the, the military to guarantee the president presidential elections that should happen next year. And right. uh, if they are free and fair, which would be something else you would ask, 
the authorities to, to guarantee if they were free and fair, then it's hard to see uh, Maduro or any of uh, his, his uh, leadership colleagues winning. On the other side, we have to recognize that the, the opposition uh, has been not only vociferous, but is extremely vociferous. And uh, it's, they've not managed to elect a single leader. They uh, have several people, including uh, the gentlemen who were just uh, taken back from house arrest uh, recently, Leopoldo Lopez and Antonio Ledesma. But they, they've not managed to coalesce around a single figure. And as much as the opposition has the right on their side in a lot of what they're saying, they also need to help themselves and get their act together a little bit in terms of presenting a cohesive project. Okay, well, I think there's going to be a great deal here that we can look at, not just later this year, but next year as well. I'd like to thank you both, Martin and Anastasia, for coming on. It's been a very enlightening discussion. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Okay, now we come to Sprint, everyone's favourite takeover target. Uh, Jen Sabre, you've been covering this been covering this industry for far too long i'm sure you probably tell us far too many stories but here we have a company it's the fourth largest telecoms company in the united states dead last which they're is only dead last. <laughs> they're only four in the u.s <laughs> okay. we're just setting it's this story up dead so. last okay. but fourth but fourth. Uh, it's tried to merge with t-mobile in the past it's 84 percent owned by softbank of japan it's been linked to various other merger candidates over the past few days and yet it hardly owns money um it's got a lot of debt and it currently trades, I think, according to your piece uh, recently, at 100 times uh, forward earnings, which I mean, think yeah, Apple trades nowhere near. Apple probably trades at 10 or 15 times earnings. So this makes it sound like it's, it's a crazy merger target, surely. What's going on? Lay, lay some of the groundwork for us first. How did we get to this point? So, uh, OK, as, as we've been talking about prior, it's the number four wireless carrier. So basically, the, the, the play here that everybody's betting on is that there's going to be consolidation in the industry. There should only be three players, and that's what everyone thinks. So a couple of years ago, Sprint and T-Mobile tried to merge, and that went nowhere fast because the regulatory issues were so high and the hurdles were so big that, that they had to drop that drop right. that idea. Okay, so we're going to fast forward to today. And um, what's interesting is that T-Mobile has done an ex excellent job, an exceptional job, really, doing aggressive marketing, getting new customers, reducing their churn. Um, you know, John Laguerre, who is out there on Twitter, he's, he's kind of the outspoken. He's out there in general, right? Yeah, he's out there in general. He's outspoken. He's, he's always, like, poking fun of his rivals, Verizon and, and Sprint, and et cetera. And, I mean, so basically they've sort of leapfrogged over Sprint. So they are looking in a very, very good position right now. So there you have Sprint. It's kind of struggling. It's trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? And, and I think a lot of this has to do with SoftBank. So SoftBank buys up 84% of this company. The other side of the coin is that they have so much debt. It's almost like equal, 50-50 equity to Sprint. debt. It, Sprint does. It's, it's, it has an onerous debt load. So you have to take that into consideration. Anybody who is looking to acquire this company is going to be, like, taking on a, a bunch of debt. So, you know, and SoftBank's just been plowing money into this company, and here we are, and it's number four. So what does four. SoftBank want to do? What, what has SoftBank wanted to do with it since buying it? What was its plan? Well, I'm sure its plan was to, you know, probably try and merge it with T-Mobile, make it bigger. Um, that fell through, and so they couldn't do that. Now we have a new administration in place, so the game may have changed. Although, you know, the Trump administration and Trump himself have had a go at 
various potential mergers out there, so the AT&T deal, for example. Right. But, but hypothetically speaking, I think the market is assuming that, okay, we have an, a Republican administration in charge. They tend to be much more deal friendly. They tend to look at these types of things, you know, and give it more of a pass than a Democratic administration would. So, so that's where we are at the moment. Now, SoftBank, given everything that's come out in the press, you know, in the past couple of months, it, it seems to be just like basically raising their hand, saying, please call me. We want to do a deal. And that is, I can just tick through the number of press reports and names that have popped up, again, over two months for Sprint. So we can start with Comcast and Charter. So they have this agreement with Sprint where they can basically use their their wireless uh, waves or whatever you want to call it. Um, Very technical language. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. I'm getting very technical here. And so they entered into this agreement to renegotiate this wireless deal. And all of a sudden... Uh, stories were popping up saying that maybe they will put equity into it. Maybe they'll just outright purchase Sprint. This, of course, comes on the, on the back of Verizon and AT&T both trying to expand their presence outside of pure mobile, right? Right, right. So everybody's trying to merge and try and to get into everybody else's business. So you have the cable firms looking to get into wireless. You have uh, AT&T looking to become a media company. It, it's just the, the landscape right now, it's, it's hard to keep track of. So basically, Comcast and Charter came out and said, no way, we're not interested in any of this. We're not going to do a deal like that. So now we have T-Mobile, which is there's been tons of rumors going on that they're going to try and, you know, try and do another uh, acquisition. And basically, T-Mobile is, is now sitting pretty and they can say, hey, maybe we don't need Sprint. You, right. know? you know, why are you out there like, you know, trying to look for all these other dance partners? So the last thing that that came up earlier, Reuters reported this, is that SoftBank may just decide to go after Charter Communications, which is a cable firm. Right. (laughs) So. Okay, SoftBank. So so SoftBank may go after Charter, um, and then maybe on its own, or maybe then do something with its eighty-four percent stake of Sprint. Or who knows? Well, so basically, I think one of the outcomes could have been combining Sprint and Charter in this like new company. The problem is SoftBank has so much debt already. They'd be assuming so much debt with Charter and Sprint and then to even like pay for the deal. As one analyst put it at Moffitt Nathanson, it would be the world's most indebted company that's not a bank. <laughs> so, you know. That, and that just has please don't do it written all over yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, at the moment, w- w- what's happening here is that it seems like SoftBank just wants out of this investment. Um, now, w- there's kind of a, a chicken and egg problem, and that is every time uh, Sprint's name comes up as a, as a acquisition target or even as a merger possibility, um, their share price goes up. Right. And the more it goes up, the more overvalued it is, and the more any potential player would sit back and say, why would I want to pay this much money for the number four player in the U.S.? You know, that's, you know, not expected to have, you know, any sort of meaningful earnings for, for quite a while. So that is its problem right now. So, I mean, it, it strikes me, I mean, if you were a banker, you must be pushing these deals because, I mean, this would be a huge deal, right? What's the, what would the, the equity value of the deal be at current rates? Well, which one? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, how much is Sprint worth? Sprint is worth about $60 billion, all in, enterprise value. So it would, it would be a big deal. Right. Okay, and then Charter is worth what? Uh, Charter is worth, they have about $100 million in equity and about $60 billion in 
billion. Billion. And so they're, they're way bigger, about okay, $170 so, yeah. billion so, dollars, uh, more or less. Sitting on Wall Street, you've got to be thinking, this is the answer to all my prayers. There have been fewer multi-billion dollar deals this year. Give me some of that. But basically, if, if you're an independent advisor getting paid just for giving advice, Jennifer Saber, your advice to um, anyone looking at Sprint would be what? Just to wait and see, wait and see when the the share price drops, because you know there just doesn't seem to be any any of these players right now. They don't have to do a deal like this, including T-Mobile. Right. So it, you know they would it would be in their best interest to wait. Or SoftBank can say, you know what, we're going to go off and and acquire the part of Sprint we don't own. Um, and that would actually give them a little more freedom to try and pursue more types of deals or mergers or what have you. Right, Jen. Thanks for taking us through that. Uh, I am. Uh, I confess I'm a little bit befuddled by all the various options you've given here. but Glad I confused you further. <laughs> let's come back to this a bit later on if we see more happening. Okay, that's our show for this week. I'd like to thank my co-host Jen Saber as well as our guests Anastasia Chacon and Martin Langfield. Our producers this week are Bethel Habti and Ross Shoulder. I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. Do check us out every day at breakingviews.com. Subscribe to the Views Room on iTunes. And do please share your opinions about our show. We love to hear them. We'll be back next week and would love you to listen in again. Thanks for joining us.